0: Blog Talk Radio. saying welcome, thank you for tuning in this is the Gumbo Talk Show yours truly the Gap2 Guru of Gumbo, Brandon Johnson in your ear and in your live feed on Facebook once again we are here every single Thursday night at 8pm on Facebook Live soon to be live running and streaming on Instagram and of course our link And the lines are open through Blog Talk Radio. That allows you to also call in. The call-in number to the show each and every week when we're going live on Facebook Live, soon to be live streaming on Instagram, and of course our link. And the lines are open through Blog Talk Radio. Fine. That you allows off. you to also uh, call me like a call camera, number up right? Yeah, turn that off. All these streaming sources at the same time, but we're going to do it right. What's up, Sunshine? So that's how you can listen live. Now, uh, 515-605-9375 is the number. Again, 515 605 935 is a way that you can also listen in live as we discuss our topics each and every week uh, through the Blog Talk Radio brand. So, that being said, I hope that if you have a comment or you want to discuss something, that you'll be listening to us. And I'm going to try to maintain all of this stuff as we get into it. This evening. So what's up, uh, Philip? I see you out there, man. So tonight, Thursday, January 9th. Yesterday was my Aunt Madeline's birthday. Um, tomorrow is my daughter Zoe's birthday. Next week is my son Corbin's birthday and my cousin Scooter. Uh, and I think Nene is on the 25th, another cousin. And I don't know who else is in January, but I want to wish everybody who has a birthday in january happy christmas birthday because i know you ain't getting much because you just got gifts for christmas but you know hey that's the price you pay for being born near christmas i also want to wish everybody a happy new year is this the first show of the new year no we had one last week so second show of the new year and for some of y'all who haven't tuned in this year i want to wish you a happy new year as well and I I don't know what's going to happen with you and your tax situation, but I hope that your taxes are a return and not a bill. So shout out to everybody who gets a tax return. Hit your boy up on Cash App. You can always donate to the Gumbo Talk Show at TMNTX, and you can uh, send any money there, cash, uh, symbol TMNTX. So anyway, tonight our topic is gang gang. And I really, 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 really had to really search myself to get on this topic because it's been something that's been really popular as a phrase as of late. Everybody wants to gangbang on wax here lately. And with recent high profile situations, such as the blood gang in New York with Takashi Six Nine snitching and basically Pretty much taken out the the people in that particular chapter uh, in New York. I can't remember what they are. Some some number nine trains, train nines. I don't know. Um, but the Bloods in in uh, New York, and then also um, other people being arrested and having gang affiliation and having their charges enhanced that are in the hip hop culture that are celebrities. And, you you know, the question becomes Do you ever know if someone is actually gang-related? And how do you know? And then, you know, are they faking and fronting? There's a whole lot of things that come to mind and, And make you wonder if these people are actually being who they say they are But we're going to talk about the undertones of gang lifestyle And what attracts young people to join a gang and i'll give you some stories and some inside reality about gang gang in u s and we're going to do that all tonight in the next fifty five minutes. so I hope that everybody that is tuned in is going to stay with us because we're going to evolve on on this episode tonight as we get into this uh episode and get to talking about uh the gang gang uh culture in america so first and foremost i just want to share with y'all this is the reason why i really had to hesitate on whether or not i was going to do this because i have to do it right if i do it um i'm originally from a town called east Moline, illinois a lot of people don't know what that is but it's basically the home of john deere i, I was born in watertown in east Moline. And then quickly moved to a place called uh, uh, Hubbard Road, but it's in the uh, Hampton area of East Moline. It's a pretty middle class uh, area because my parents both worked for the federal government. I was the only child and my parents raised me well. Okay. Um, But the issues I faced as a young man were that I was raised in an all-white neighborhood, two other black people in the neighborhood, but those kids never came outside and played. But they also transferred them to another school, which was actually East Moline, and I went to the school district that was for that neighborhood, and it was in Port Byron. So that school district, K through 12, I was the only black kid. When I was in third grade, there was one black girl that came in. She left out. And then when I was in fifth grade, The black girl came in and left out. They were only there for half a semester, both of them.
1: uh, And
0: there was a little boy, too. He came in, and he was probably three years younger than I was. And he was actually being raised by white parents. He was adopted, and so he didn't even know he was black. So I had no real connection with him. But I'm saying all that because that's how I pretty much started the path to becoming a vice lord when I was a teenager. Vice Lords are the oldest known uh, what they call quote unquote gang in America when it comes to Black folks. It was started in 1957 and um, really fully kicked off in 1958 in Chicago, Illinois, and a lot of other things such as G.D.s, B.D.s, and Latin Kings and Bishops stemmed off of that. Welcome, Gordon, and then also Crips and well Bloods, yeah Crips and Bloods. Uh, Then came out of that, too, as things as far as gang culture migrated from the Midwest and and branched out into other parts of the country. I think L.A. is probably one of the hubs of the biggest uh, gang culture in America with its crip and blood populations there being some of the strongest that there are, uh, comparatively speaking, to any other city in the country. Welcome, Dwayne. Welcome, Barbette, to the show. Um, So, that's just a little something. So I'm telling you that it was my cultureization and being around white people at a very early age in life and how they treated me that led me to embrace vice lords when I was a teenager. Now, I can tell you that my parents, the reason why I moved, we moved from uh, the area we were in in Hampton into the inner, if you want to call it inner city, but it's still country, but it's inner city of East Moline because my parents got divorced. And when my parents got divorced, I was actually happy. A lot of people thought I would be depressed. I remember having to see a counselor. My parents thought I needed to have somebody to talk to because of this big transition. And I was, like, really happy that they were divorced because they were miserable together. But uh, it it, it became uh, something when I started to understand what a brotherhood or what a fraternity was, was really like. And... Although I had cousins, I was an only child. I was pretty much outside of my cousins because I grew up well, and a lot of them struggled. Um, hey, hey, Barbette, BB. What's up, uh, JoJo? I'll see you, Bubba Poo. So I, I really didn't really relate that closely to my cousins at the time as being a young person. So I was exposed to GDs because many of my cousins were GDs. And I really didn't like them for some reason. And then I met a couple of guys that were vicelords. And the vicelords were far outnumbered um, by the GDs in the area. And I liked the way they stood their ground. And then I was exposed to what we call literature. And the literature was like the information that helped you understand why it is who you are. And the literature happened to be Uh, more of an Islam-based literature versus coming up in an AME church and studying a lot of AME stuff. I just really couldn't grasp it, although I didn't understand the time I was learning it in Bible school uh, and Bible study and and, um, in Sunday school. All those things we had, and my mom was involved in this WMS, and I had to go to a lot of things where the AME, which is African Methodist Episcopal, taught us about black culture but I just really didn't soak it in. So when I began to understand the literature of the Vice Lords and then decided to join them, um, I was 14 when I first uh, joined in East Moline, Illinois, and then I also joined in Rock Island, Illinois, because my mom lived in East Moline and my dad lived in Rock Island. It was an instant brotherhood. I instantly had brothers. I instantly had people that would not only – um, kill for you But would die for you And although my dad Raised me and and really closely uh, As a young age And I knew my dad loved me um, It was something about a brotherhood That was closer I could talk to them more than I could Anybody else I want. I would be remiss if I didn't back up Till when I was nine When I was nine was the first time I saw Crack being cooked And I also and later on when I was nine, it was the first time I was offered weed by some cousins in another town in another state. And quickly, my other cousin said, hey, man, you know he's only nine because I was a big boy. I was big then. I looked like I was 12 or 13 at nine. And I'm just letting you know that when I came in, uh, into my kinfolk's area, they lived a different lifestyle than what I lived in the country. And then when I moved from the country into town and was exposed to stuff on my own, I was able to grasp it myself. And I it was just something about having people around you that you could trust that, that drew me in there. And I hope you all understand that I'm giving you the inside scoop on how an atypical person uh, joins the gang. And the atypical people are probably the worst folks because you still have something to prove because you can't say that you grew up in the project. Okay, you can't say you grew up on the block, but you know people in the project because your family lived there. You know people on the block because that's where you're originally from and that's where your parents are from. So you know people there and you're related to people so they know you, but they don't know you for that. Well, what also happens when you begin to learn literature and understand what it is you're a part of you're not looking at it as a gang. You never call yourself a gang. Vice Lords never called themselves gangsters because our enemy, for I don't know what reason, the gangster disciples, were called gangsters. So we never call ourselves gangsters. We were the antithesis to that, but we did the same thing, if not worse, than them. Another thing that brings me to these, these points is recently in Mississippi, in the Parchman Prison, there was a prison riot that broke out And there was a lot of murders that took place. This is just recently, since uh, summertime to now, basically um, fall, the beginning of fall uh, to to now, there have been riots in prison. and Numerous people have been killed. But it was spawned by two ladies who were correctional officers that were reportedly vice lord connected that let vice lords into some cells of some rival gangs to kill them. And these guys actually killed these guys And that has started a riot All over the state of Mississippi In the prison system And people being moved because of the riots To other parts of prisons Where the conditions Were subpar And they had no running water Standing pools of water on the floor Black and green mold on the walls, Paint chipping No bed materials And of course no way to do anything hygienic and when you put people in those situations, it gets even worse. And that is what happened here recently to help us get to this topic. But these things have been happening for years. Uh, just to give you insight, when I went and talked about 1957, 1958 in Chicago, more notably 1954, we had the 4BL and the Four Corner Horses. So when you hear 85 South Show people making the phrase popular on four in them, um, that was something that you grew up with knowing if you were a vice lord, especially in Chicago. Um, but vice lords are under the five point star, GDs were in the six point star, GDs wore blue, gray, and black, vice lords wore red, black, and gold, GDs bang their hat to the right, um, vice lords bang their hat to the left, and if I use my little man here, if your hat was this way, You were a gangster. If your hat was this way, you were a vice or literally that little bit would differentiate differentiate you from anybody else, whether you were inside in a prison or you were on the street. So I'm telling you all this to give you kind of an understanding of how these things evolve and how you can be a layperson and not even know you're in danger because you woke up and you were going outside and you just happened to tilt your hat a little bit to the left. But you are in a GDS area. You you could literally get popped for that. And a lot of those young people have no regards to life, and that leads you to why many people don't affiliate as closely because there's no longer control. So when if uh, we go back to where I was, uh, where I digressed at, and we're talking about how. These things, how these these people, atypical, and then the typical people come together. Well, the literature links you because once you know what's going on with this thing of ours, then you understand what it is you represent. You understand all the symbols and things and what they represent. And if you're really good, you'll understand the symbols of what your um, sworn enemies uh, represented, and you'll know what to look out for so that you won't make a mistake and go into a certain area that you don't belong in. And, by the way, all this stuff is not even property that people own, especially like government-funded um, housing. That's not owned by anybody, but people claim the territory. So that's a whole other aspect of things. But I want to hurry up and get to a, a quick point um, here at 817. If you want to call in, the number to call in is 515 605 9375, we're talking about gang gang culture and how it comes to be and how it's gotten popular in hip hop. What's up, Jermaine? So, uh, when I was 14, I joined Vice Home. And it was then that I actually saw Ready Rock ready to be sold. I remember I was in the back of science class, and what came to be one of my homies, he had it in a little vial and he was showing me, and he was like, hey, man, you know what this is? And I was like, yeah, I know what it is. he was like, you know, um, this is how we we make money. He wasn't talking about the whole thing. He was talking about him and the the people he worked for, how they made money. And I was like, oh, yeah. like, he was like, I I was like, well, I don't really want to get involved with that, but I I looked at it, put it in my hand. I was like, okay, I I can see, I can dig it. I've seen this before, and I can understand how it makes money. But then I knew I wanted to hustle. So I sold cigarettes. That's what I did in school. I was laughing because the other day at the school that I work at, the, uh, a guy got sent to the alternative school for selling snacks. And I was like, man, when I was in school, for the stuff I was selling in school, I would have probably went to down here in Texas. I would have went to TDC. But um, selling cigarettes, I sold snacks. I sold uh, alcohol to the white boys. They love beer. And I would get cases of beer stolen for me and I would sell it to them and, and make a killing, uh, literally, right there in school because I could go in and buy cigarettes because basically when I was 14, like I said, 9, I looked like 12 or 15 years old. By the time I was 14, I looked like I was 22, 23. And so I could go and buy them myself and sell them. So I'm saying all that to say this. The guy showed me the crack. My other guy, he was a GD. He flip-flopped. That's what you call it. You flip. And he flipped from GD to Vice Lord, and we were a clique. It was three of us. Uh, there were more Vice Lords, and we went to goals, which are meetings and all that. But what, what I'm getting at is you get in there, and inside, you're going to find um, refuge in a few people. And when you get real close to a few people, you spend all day with them, you spend your weekends with them, you stay over their house, they come stay with you, and you're just around each other you know each other, you don't even really have to, to talk on the phone because you know what each other doing. You know what time they're going to get up and what time they're going to be ready and where we're going to meet up at and chill and hang out, do whatever we do. The point I figured out that it was not about the literature, but the point of money and who made the money – and how the money was going to get from, or how the dope was going to get from the big city to us, and then the money that we uh, made got back to the big city. Was now, mind you, I told you that vice lords lived a lifestyle that was clear, clear, closer and clearer in Islam because we we recited the high five times a day, and um, we really respected the fact of the alhamdulillah. And we did not vary from that Those of us who were heavy in the literature And wanted to move up in rank From foot soldiers to generals And um, We were sitting in A hungry hobo Which is similar to the modern day subway And there was probably It was all the vice lords in East Moline There was some from Chicago um, Some from Rockford And and. I think there was a couple of brothers from Rock Island, but it was about 30 of us sitting in the Hungry Hobo, And I remember distinctly that at the time I didn't eat pork, right? No no pork or no pork product. And many of the brothers were going up there ordering ham and (laughs) bacon on their sandwiches. Now, mind you, we had a general in the presence, a five-star general. And I remember... Uh, one of the three-star generals saying, hey, uh, you brothers ain't supposed to be eating that pork because he didn't have it. He was a different type of vice lord. They have different clicks. I'm not even going to get into all that. That's too much information. But he was – we all were vice lords, but he was a different kind than the majority that were in the room. But he was still respected because he had rank. And he was like, hey, you brothers, don't be ordering none of that swine in here on your sandwiches. And I remember the five-star general said, hey, man, I got it. I'm covering it. If them brothers want to eat some pork, let them eat pork. It ain't going to kill them. And instantly right there, it was a switch in me very early on that I was like, well, they're not even following the tenets of the law that we're supposed to be following. And and that's what irks me to this day is that I think I'm more loyal to to situations and people and, and groups than the groups are to me. And I've always felt that way. When I was in football, I think that I practiced and I worked out harder than everybody else, and I expected everybody else on the team, the other 10 people, to pull their weight as much as I did. And I can, I can self-evidence this in that my freshman year at Riverdale High School, I was a freshman. I played freshman ball. I played, played JV ball, and I played varsity ball. I started all three levels at the same time. I had three games a week, right? Three games a week I started and played probably 80 to 90% of the game because I was on offense, I was on defense, I was on punt, punt return, kick, kick return. I stayed on the field a majority of the game. And I did that all through high school. All four high schools, Riverdale High School in Port Byron, UT High School in East Moline, uh, Rock Island High School, Rocky High School in Rock Island, Illinois, and then Struma High School in in Baton Rouge. All four of those high schools, we went to the playoffs. All four of those high schools, the teams did better that year that I was there than they had ever done before. So I had a presence in football. So what I'm saying to you is not a farce. These are just facts. Okay. I added something to the squad. I expect everybody else to. Well, when I was coming through being a vice lord, I expected other vice lords to be as faithful and loyal to this thing as other ones. And when I realized they weren't, I kinda I kind of recognized it and I said, Well, this is just like anything else. Everybody doesn't recognize that. Fast forward, Many years later, I ended up getting into some serious trouble. I spent some time at the uh, uh, detention center called Mary Davis. Then I went to the big place uh, in uh, St. Charles for juvenile deten- juvenile uh, corrections and met some people who were anywhere from 7 years old to 15 years old in the area I was in, the housing I was in that was stone cold murderers. I met a seven-year-old assassin. And I know y'all don't believe that, but this seven year old had more bodies on him than most you know, adult gang members. He was I mean he was a little light skinned kid, long hair, and he was, you know, one of them old El barge looking kids. But they used him in the city because he looked unassuming and they said he would just, you know, they give him a pistol and he would just pop you three, four times and walk away. And nobody knew it was him until they caught him and they they put him in there. And I know he was supposed to be there till he was eighteen, and then they were going to decide what they were going to do with him after eighteen. And he was just seven, seven or eight, seven or eight years old. It was it was ridiculous. Never never seen that in my life. But they they really had this youngster in there. But anyway, so. Um, You've got all this stuff going on. These people who will kill and will die for you. But if it came down to money, money, it was almost an era in the early 90s where money became a bigger figure than the power and respect. You thought you got respect through having money. Gang culture, vice uh, lord culture meant something totally different. So my parents and a judge that wanted to put me out to the state of Illinois, I moved to Baton Rouge, and my life forever changed. Uh, but I still kept ties with my people, but I wasn't there, so I didn't have no life. All my crew um, ended up, all of them. The, the, the other two guys that were my closest friends and our tertiary crew that each one of us had, everybody did time in prison. I don't think any of them have done less than five or six years minimum in prison total. And one of them, he did 17 years flat almost the whole time. I was in high school when I left Illinois in my senior year, all through college, and until I moved into Texas. And I was in Texas 10 years um, before he got out uh, for shooting somebody in broad daylight. And didn't even kill him. He shot him in the butt or something. So it was it was not uncommon. Um, I, I remember uh, some of the things that were the bad things of the gang culture was I remember when a guy that was a vice lord that was in Rock Island that I really knew, Mike Mike, I remember he got killed. And I remember the guys that were vice lords that retaliated his murder. And I remember the people they retaliated on, their family came and killed Mike Mike's brother so that mom at the time i wasn't even thinking about her but many years later i started thinking that mom buried two sons in a year um from gang violence in this little old town of Quad cities and i I remember uh this one particular crew out of rock island that was just vicious and they jump out of this van with these choppers and mow everything down i mean it was it was some stuff that you've never seen the likes of but it was going on right before you, but you're numb to it because when you're involved in things, you don't always see it from outside. You see it from inside and you think things are supposed to happen the way they're supposed to happen. So when you see these guys, like Snoop Dogg is, is a claimer of Crip. And then you see uh, Nipsey Hussle and uh, Matt Tien and who else is uh, the game. Uh, and many other people that, that are in the hip hop culture that claim sets. Crucial Conflict with Vice Lords, they had that song, Hey in the Middle of the Barn. Um, Do or Die, um, are Vice Lords, and I think one of them was a GD. And there's just something Twister from Chicago. Uh, and I could go on and on the different people that have claimed their affiliations in the hip hop culture. Um, the ones that survive, they, they realize they have to leave it alone. The ones that either keep doing it or try to change it somehow, they get gobbled up, um, as evidenced by Nipsey Hussle. He was of the streets, but he tried to bring the streets out, but the streets don't always want to change, and the streets run things. The, the streets are a million and oh. They never lose. <laughs> Only people lose. The streets never lose. And so they can gobble a human being up, but a human being being inside doesn't realize they're being consumed from inside. And, and, and it's and it's just like anything. These people in politics, these Democrats and Republicans, gangs, modern-day police departments, gangs. These guys can do something to somebody, right? And, and these politicians and these police, they can do something to somebody, but they stand by each other. There's no difference. What's up, Ken folks? They stand by each other. There's really no difference. So when you think games, don't you just think Crips' bloods. Don't you forget vice uh, Stores and GEs. But you can't forget the Democrats and Republicans. I mean, their colors are blue and red, okay? And, and don't forget the, these police departments and some of these fire departments and these sheriff's departments and these state police. Listen, I, did, I was NAACP president here in the area I'm sitting in right now uh, for a few years. I literally saw how the gangs in police departments worked. The police would be involved with killing someone. Then the people that were brought in to investigate the murder were literally classmates from college or high school of the people that were accused and dated or and or married the 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 siblings of the accused, and they were in charge of investigating a case. nobody recused themselves, and of course the people got off and I'm thinking to myself, what difference is that? What difference is that in the women in the parchment prison that supposedly allegedly opened up the gates for these other vice lords to come in and kill these other people and and they're supposed to be correctional officers? Yet they let their quote unquote fellow gang members kill people. Um, There's no difference. They're supposed to be law enforcement, but they're part of the gang. And I'm not saying every law enforcement officer is affiliated with a gang. I'm saying some of these police departments act like gangs, in that what happens in there stays in there, and we're going to protect ours by any means. And if somebody does something to us, We're going to kill them and get away with it. And and please, anybody who watches this, if you want to contact me, I can show you case evidence of these cases where police officers. I know personally some in Louisiana that these officers, especially in South Louisiana and some of those sheriff's departments, and anybody from New Orleans will tell you that those uh, sheriff's department officers in Jefferson and Orleans Parish If you do something to an officer, you might expect some guys in a black truck, in all black, masked up to come to your family's home and kill everybody and get away with it. You think it's it's the streets, but it's really the police. And so that stuff happens in America. So gang culture is bigger than somebody like me, an atypical person, joining up because I needed the fellowship. It's, it's bigger than somebody who comes up, and I was going to mention that about how ghettos were created, and where you have people that are consumed from within. You set up laws and then those systems, and then the systems set up new laws, and then those keep people in one place and push out growth and want to keep people stagnant and depending on government, but you can't grow, so the only way to grow is illegally off the record, off the book, so that you won't have the tax or the return to show that you're not eligible to stay in the subsidized housing because the little old piece of job you could get is still not enough to pay for a full house on your home. So people turn to illegal measures. I mean, this is the typical way people come up in a system and join games. but it, it doesn't matter. No matter what, people are looking for a way up or a way out or a way through. Right. And anybody who is a thinking person is going to do whatever they can to survive. And if you want to survive in some places, you have to be affiliated with something so that you can go through life. If you're not um, being actively involved because they know you, you're actively protected from somebody else who when they hear, oh, you're from Morton Drive or you're from 13th and 5th. Um, they know the difference Or in Rock Island we were on 5th Street And the Arsenal Courts Project Versus the people I can't even remember where the GD's hung out at Up the hill on 17th Street Or 18th Street, it's at 17th, Street. 17th Street You know, We didn't go over there um, and, and the GD's didn't come To Arsenal Courts In Rock Island It just didn't happen Hey Evelyn I'm glad you joined So, so it's the same way in Politics that you see on TV, those of y'all that watch the news, you don't see too much of the commingling of the parties like they used to. I was having this conversation earlier today. We were talking about how um, some of us that had traveled to D.C., and I used to travel to D.C. Um, quite often. We were talking about that this morning. Everyone wasn't. It? And um, uh, the, the how the Democrats and Republicans would be fighting on TV, but they would be meeting at dinners. I used to see them. I was like, Didn't I see that dude arguing with to dude? And I was working, but I'd see these two senators over there eating, and I could hear them talking about how their kids were going to be graduating together and they were going on vacations together and and, and buying property near one another and going in on business deals. Uh, they don't even do that anymore because it's become gang-gang culture between the Democrats and Republicans. So anytime you have two opposing factors, right, somebody who follows this tenet Somebody who follows this tenet You create a division There are gang cultures in religion Have you seen some of these Evangelicals, how they talk about Muslims? Have you seen some Of these far extremist Muslims How they talk about Jews? This stuff has become gang culture It's not what it was originally Intended to be When um, Bobby um, Oh, oh, I, I feel bad Not remembering Bobby's last name Anyway, the founder of the Vice Lords, his name was Bobby, Chief Bobby. When he started the Vice Lords, he had no intentions of it becoming a gang, a a notorious gang on the streets of of Chicago. Um, The chief of the Vice Lords, when I came up, um, Minister Rico, and it was funny, his name was the same name as my dad, and I never knew that for years. His name was Willie Johnson. Okay, that's a well-known fact, so I'm not telling y'all something that I'm snitching. He went to prison for a long time, got out, and now he does a lot of gang reform stuff. But Minister Rico was a chief of chiefs when it came to Vice Lord. And and there was Willie Willie Lloyd, he he did it, but, but over the CVLs, Minister Rico was one of those charismatic people that, you know, when you heard about his orders, you knew it was official orders from him because it wasn't like orders from any other person that was like a tyrant like your Donald Trump sends orders. It wasn't anything like that. But but the point is is that these guys, um, Bobby and 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 the other men that 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 were the forefathers of that thing, when they talked, it was something about their voice. Um and that's why i I've, I've got to be careful. God gave me my voice. He gave me my ability to speak to people, whether they're in gangs or whether they're in um, Google. Um, I, I can communicate with them. I can relate to them because I understand people. And I have to be careful when I influence people because I don't want to be an influence that gets them away from a decision that they were going to make on their own. But I also want people to make healthy decisions. But I've been known to influence people. And you have to be very careful when you're an influencer. And and I know this as evidence as we're at 838. If you want to dial in and get in and talk, the number is 515-605-9375. Uh, and, and the reason I know this, um, you remember I told you the partner that showed me to crack when I was in the back of a science class? Um, he and I are no longer friends. Uh, we're no longer friends because I realized that he wasn't a friendly type person and he was all for himself. And he didn't care if we all went down for something he did. And that happened a couple of times to some other partners
1: and he stole from
0: our other type partner, the three of us, he stole from his mama. And finally one day, you know, he and I got into it when I went on a visit back home and I was just like, you know, I was done. But, but what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is the reason why we were done, When I said something to him, he responded like, don't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do. And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? I'm just giving you advice, man to man. You can't tell me what to do anymore. And I was like, dude, I didn't tell you what to do when we were kids. What are you talking about? And all of this stuff that was in him for 20 years came out, and it was like, okay, dude, you could have said this back in 92, in 91, you know, why are you waiting to say it now? And it's 2010, and um, it might have been 2008. But but the thing of it was, was he was sitting there when I just mentioned something, and he was like, he took real offense to it. He was like, you left us. You knew you were supposed to be here. We wouldn't have been in trouble. If you left us. And I was like, what are you talking about? In my mind, I was just listening to him, and all this stuff was coming out that I didn't realize how many people – in that thing in our area follow me when i was in rock island how many brothers My, my i have a brother he's in minnesota two of them are in minnesota now um um and the other rest of them are either in jail or dead that were my close partners i remember now when i look back i was like shoot i was influential when my mom god bless her she didn't want to listen in today y'all that kind of upsets me because she needs to know this stuff. But she said, I knew enough when you were going through it. And that hurt me this morning that she didn't want to listen in. But I told her, I said, I'm not going to go heavy, heavy. I can't tell them everything. But she did not want to listen because she didn't want to hear the stuff that she had heard about uh, through the grapevine. But I, I I told my mom back when I was like 15, she was like, you, you better stop hanging with such and such. They're a bad influence. And I always wanted to turn around and I want to tell my mom said they might want to stop hanging with me, okay' because <laughs> I'm the influence. but I always wanted to do things above board and make sure that everybody came out of situations safely and nobody um, was hurt, you know, bad. I mean, there's some things we had to do, but you have to you have to be cognizant that a lot of times you're in small areas and in small neighborhoods. You got cousins against cousins fighting. How is that going to be at the family reunion that you banged up one of your cousins? It's just not good. And it was also evidenced by I got tested a lot. I'll never forget one of the biggest tests I got, and I feel feel to this day that I failed it, but I'm alive. I remember this guy, GD, he wanted to always make a name for himself. He tried to call me out one day uh, to the street to box. Now, he knew he couldn't box me. And he's a tall, skinny dude. He knew he couldn't box me, but I was like, this dude is up to something. So the Crip guy's house, we only had one Crip in the area. We was over to. He was cousins to one of my partners, and he was like, dude, got a pistol. You know, he 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 want to bang you up, man. If you go out there, you bang you up. So I'm sitting on the porch. He by himself. Now it's three of us, and in this Crip, sitting on the porch, and you you trying to call me out, and you gonna like you gonna go hand to hand with me. And I was like, dude, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fooling with you today, man. Go about yourself, man, with that foolishness. You ain't gonna get no name off of me. And and I, I think about that now. And you think about how people are um, constantly trying to get others to fail at things, even on your jobs, so that they can rise. That's like gang culture. Um. These folks that are in the entertainment industry, and every other word is blood, disc, crypt, that, there's no way they're living the lifestyle. And if they do, they're going to jail, and many of them do. But um, you cannot be both. You cannot be talking about this stuff and then be a part of it. And that was the the decision I had to make to mention that stuff today because I'm I'm no longer in that lifestyle. It's it's not of me anymore. So I can talk about a little bit, but I'll never talk about it to the point where it it exposes or does something to people who have probably made their wrongs right to this day. But I will tell you this, that that there are some things that people do that if you do them, you cannot talk about them and expect that the police and people who um, know what happened to not retaliate if they were on the receiving end of something you did to them. So the natural laws of nature, the laws of nature tell you that the strong survive, but the spiritual part of nature tells you that um, everyone survives in some way, but the quality of survival um, is what's most important so how you live your life the quality of life you live is evidenced by um, your outcome and you don't know what your outcome is until it's all over so if you're not worried about when it's over and you're only worried about right now you have a, a, a gangster mindset if it's all about you and what you can get out of somebody and you don't care anything? I was talking to somebody, a friend the other day, and they said, yeah, no feelings. And I'm like, no, no, even though there shouldn't be heightened feelings, there should be feelings if you're dealing with somebody that you don't want to see them hurt, you don't want to see them ill, um, and, and you definitely um, want to see them flourish. But um, if you have no feelings, you just don't give a damn what happens to them. And that's not good. Um and I don't think that uh, people who have a gang mindset should think that way, because ultimately that person over there, especially if you black and they're black, that's your brother. We live in a country where we're twelve percent of the population. I'm talking about black folks. The Latinos got their own thing going. It's a lot of them in the gangs. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking about black folks. It's only like twelve percent of us in this country, maybe fifteen percent, right? And so that's like eighty-eight. Percent is something else. Um, We better become brotherly to one another. How are we fighting against one another? That must be great for the enemy, whoever our enemy is, to see 10% of something fighting. That means they done split up five for five. That means you can be friends with 5% of that or 6% of that 12%, and you don't care about that other 6% because on the grand scale, y'all 94% strong against 6%. You see what I'm saying? So it's it, it, a lot of things are gang, gang. But until you step back and you look at it from a 30,000 feet view and you realize that, you know, from up here in the air, y'all all look alike, you know, it don't look any different. Uh, you can't tell colors. You can just tell there's people moving. If you start to have that mindset, are you going up to spiritual and you like you all come from the same source? How are you fighting with one another? Um Uh, we're perpetuating the problem. So this is why I believe, after saying all this and saying that it's real easy for a young person who's impressionable, I'm not saying weak, I said impressionable, Um, not ignorant, impressionable, to follow something that gives them, if not a peace of mind that they have someone to protect them, but a possibility of having a, a Say so in something uh, To be able to call a shot uh, One day um, When just working At Popeye's Isn't going to ever get you that That spot unless you become a manager And then still you're only a manager at Popeye's I mean great job You're probably making a lot of money But still you only at one place You're not impacting the world globally Like is what most people think they want to do So The precipice of gang culture is togetherness. The demise is individuality. I do think individuality is important because if I want to love... Isn't it crazy that a crip uh, can't... I mean, a blood can't call their cousin a cousin because Cousin starts with the letter C, so you got to call him buzzing. Um, and if that buzzing is a crip, you don't even talk to one another, but you grew up together. Y'all got pictures of both of y'all in the bathtub when you one years old, playing with each other. Your moms are sisters or your dads are brothers or your parents or siblings, whatever, or your grandparents or siblings, and you mean to tell me you can't love on one another because of colors? Those, that, that's where the logic it it it, it leaves the scene, and it, and it leaves um, what makes us humans by the wayside. Um, those people who brag and make a big deal of any gang, I think, are detrimental uh, to themselves and society. Um, the people that I remember that always talked about Big GD this and Big Vice or this, they're all dead. Um, the folks that walked it like they talked it, um, many of them are dead. But those who walked it like they talked it but understood that really at the crux of everything was green, not blue and red or uh, blue and gray and, and black and gold. It wasn't that. Or the way they banged the hat, it was green. They they're still alive. Some of them are in prison because of, you know, drug charges or evading taxes, but they're alive. Um, I don't happen to agree with money being the thing for for people to be alone, but money is much better than blood. And I I cannot give one group more credit than the other, but I can tell you that individuals who are free thinkers who can deal with people on both sides of the aisles are the ones that are game changers. They're they're those ones that can make the world better just by the fact that they can create more relationships. Um, I'm, not I hope I'm not alone in in that thinking, in that influencers can come into situations without saying, hey, I'm the influencer in this situation. They just live their life, and the way they live their life, other people around them are enriched. Um, when I look back at uh, some of the people that I really – Um, enjoyed dealing with over the years from Illinois to Kentucky to Louisiana and now Texas. Um, I have quite a few people who have been very, very successful because of uh, talks we sat down and they they learned this idea and niches and they've got big businesses or they're professionals at the highest level of their uh, particular field um, and I'm, I'm glad to know that we were friends uh, before the success. And although you may not talk as much as you did because you're busy, and I'm busy, um, it's nice to know you were a part of people doing things positively and making an impact, a very big impact, a very big footprint on the planet. And that's what I think people should be doing um, inside and outside of gang culture, no matter if it's, you know, the one that people typically think or the, the ones that folks never really thought were gay, like some police departments. Um, I do not like the way the system says if you're affiliated with a gang, you automatically get an enhanced charge. I think that the system should say, okay, you're involved in the gang. How, how about you become part of a solution so that we can stop you and your kind, and I don't mean black, let's alone. I mean you and your bloods, you and your um, vice lords um, from dying in here. Let's be a part of that. And, and – and making everybody go through some kind of, of a culturalization to the global economy. I'm down with that because at the end of the day, like I said, the, the precipice for people wanting to join something is that they want that fellowship. A lot of times it's money. And if you can tell a person, hey, look, you need to stop doing that. But if you don't give them a way to make money legally, and money to survive, they're gonna eventually go right back into that thing because that's what they know naturally. And so you have to give, or or not say give, but be able to train and deprogram to reprogram the mindsets of people by putting influential figures in the right places. And that's what Minister Rico did in the prison system. He was responsible for a lot of lives being saved just because he would say something at a certain prison or to a certain individual. And then it would stop not only in the prisons, but on the streets almost simultaneously. That's power. That's pull. Um, And there there are people that are influencers and pullers outside of the quote unquote gang culture. But the, the thing of it is, is that when you have somebody as tenacious as a big vice lord, a big GE, a big crypt, big blood, as in influential as like a Shug Knight. Could you imagine if Shug Knight was um, a part of the board of Amazon or Google? I mean, with the tech, tactics, uh, I ought to come up with that word, tactics. The tactics and techniques, the tactics um, that he has with Jeff Bezos, what kind of impact would amazon you put uh somebody like um oh let me think of somebody you 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 get somebody like um uh, e forty with um uh, elon musk is it musk the boy the boy over uh, Tesla i can't remember his name i thought it was elon musk but i it didn't sound right um you put them together that's impactful Two, two major influencers from in different cultures, but influencers nonetheless and, and innovators. That's what I'm saying. E-40 is an innovator of words. You put in with an innovator in the automobile and energy industry, you are talking about something. And so I hope that you tonight, if you have had a gang-gang mindset, you decide to do something. And that's the thing that I've been doing here lately, last. A year or so I've been dealing with people That I wouldn't normally deal with I've been um, Influenced by folks That I've never been I never thought I'd be influenced by And that's because I've opened up my mind And I'm looking at people spiritually And I'm saying you know they got a good heart And so I'm willing to give people with A good heart a chance Even though they made a lot of mess ups and mistakes Or they just just something they write about them I I, want to be able to look past that and, and, and be more like my creator and say, you know, that this person will be impactful one day. And if I can influence them to that, I'm proud to say I know them. And I hope that they would be proud to say they know me. And And you can't box them into just people that are at your church. You can't box them into the people that you work with or that you go to school with. You can't box them into the geographical area you live in. You have to literally get outside the box of thinking of being an influencer globally because you never know the people that you talk to today where they'll be at tomorrow. Um, They use this term six degrees of separation. How is it that you can be just so gung-ho and you're only over here with this group and you know in your heart of hearts that there's somebody over here that can help you get to where you need to be with your automobile uh, business or detailing business or, or your hairstyling business, because, you know, a girl that you were friends with um, doesn't like that person over there you were friends with. You, know what I'm saying? you can't go across the lines if you're friends with somebody and they're enemies with somebody. I'm not saying that, but somebody you're no longer even cool with. And then you're not cool with this girl over here because she wasn't cool with that friend that you ain't even cool with no more from 12 years ago. But you see this girl coming up, and you know all you got to do is just ask her to see, hey, how can I find out what tactic you use to make your hairstyling business better? We've got to get out of self in the mindset of being only self-centered, and we've got to start using our individuality to make relationships with people. I didn't say you had to go buddy-buddy. I'm saying that you need to be in situations where you're going across colors, across the way Hathaway, across the aisle, across the street, okay, across the classroom um, for you, for us. So gang gang is only good if you use the techniques of it that bring people together, but you use it for a global mindset and not just that one click, Because staying in one thing, if you are the same person you were 10 years ago, you banging on the same people you were 20 years ago, you have not grown. Your goals have not changed. And our goals should constantly be changing. And your goals for betterment, improvement, not only of you, but your name, your own peace of mind, your children, you don't want your children to go down uh, a road that you already knew um, was one of those roads. That was problematic So I'm going to say goodnight to those of them Listening to Blog Talk Radio